hit the nail on the head, John. <laughs> so, um, welcome to uh, North v South, uh, a podcast about, but not about design. Um, thank you for um, all your nice follows and messages. Um, we've had several conversations. Well, Rob has. Um, I don't have any friends. <laughs> I don't have friends on Twitter, but um, <laughs> apart from Rob. Um, but yeah, no, it's been great, and uh, we've had lots of fun doing it and um we met up last week the first time for a long time and had a beer and a, obviously a pie so, it's very exciting wasn't it yeah it was great it was really nice to see you, you too sorry i'm just having a small um mouthful of beer oh nice well, mm. what beer are you having today it's a it's a bath ale it's a gem do you know the bath ale I'll, I'll just translate that just translate <laughs> that for the southerners listening that's a bath ale Bath ale. <laughs> I do that to my wife, and it really she loves that. Uh, does she? <laughs> <laughs> I bet she does. Uh, but yes, it's a uh, it's a bottle of gem. Oh, that's yeah, I like that one. It's nice, yeah. nice logo on that. Is that the the hair sort of? It is, yeah. Leaping. The leaping, the leaping hair. Mm. Well, I'm having a. Um, I mine's a Sainsbury's own. Taste the difference because we love Sainsbury's. Um, it's a traditional Kentish ale. Um, and it says right on the side of it that it's brewed and bottled by Shepherd Neem. So it's a Shepherd Neem beer. I'm not a big fan of their beers. Um, they are known as shit and scream, aren't they? Are they? Yes. <laughs> so their water source was a bit iffy and um, used to give people all sorts. I see. Is this, is this recent history? Or <laughs> I should be careful what I say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. John gets sued. <laughs> no, I think that's in the past. It's... it's um, it's out. It's out on the marshes, isn't it? Somewhere. Yeah. I don't know what I'm talking. <laughs> Hang on, I've got my lawyer on the other line. He just said that's definitely in the past, <laughs> and it was all just alleged. Yeah, but mine's mine's um, also got hoppy notes. Ha ha. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, I find I find it too bitter though. Um, yeah, but anyway, it's a beer, and so at the end of this today, um, that's good. Absolutely, uh, another busy one, then, John. <laughs> Um, yeah, it is busy, and I've got a daughter who's discovered tantrums, so um, we're both um, dealing with that, the fallout of that. As as both quite um, quite stroppy people, having another stroppy person in the house is uh, is is quite a tipping, you know, it's a tipping point. Yeah, um, I can imagine. So we're trying to work out our our um, our order in all of that, and try and reset our authority. But today, when I picked her up, she was not having it. Oh dear. Yeah, oh man, horrific. Really? <laughs> yeah, and then I got back and uh, one of the dogs had got in the dustbin and his fat bum was sticking out of the dustbin where it tipped over. Oh. He got delivered an, an almighty uh, barrage. That does sound like quite a day you've had. Oh, plus, plus lots of work, I imagine. Plus lots of work. I'm going to be working tonight as well. I've got, um, yeah, I've got lots of deadlines. Lots of deadlines um, and lots of things that have come back. That's a thing where you need to talk about in the future. You know, you plan your work in, but there are things that come back that either they get changed or, you know, the brief changes and you haven't scheduled that in. Um, it can be really, really infuriating. I've got yeah. that with two jobs this week uh, and a yeah, a 50, 50 odd page catalogue that um, is now, you know, reworking all of the language in it. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah, we are not amused. No, 
Not envious. No. Uh, Especially uh, when it's gone to print. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> well, there we go. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, but uh, other than that, yeah, no, I've been doing lots of design. I had a really good meeting up in London at the beginning of the week um, and uh, got some significant stuff signed off, which is great. So I've really got a, a good month, six weeks of now getting down to doing some coding, which I haven't done for a long, long time. So looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like building building things that's my that's my oeuvre (laughs) (laughs) and what about you Uh, yeah it's been quite a nice week I've got the uh, couple of commissions out of the way Um, my uh, froggy watercolours went off uh, to the agency that's dealing with that still haven't heard back but uh, fingers crossed that's all good Uh, and I've been researching another couple of commissions uh, and some more client work. So I've been today. I've been image researching for uh, dog whelks, periwinkles, and Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> not all the same illustration. I have right. to say. They're not ha- haircuts from the nineteen sixties. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But that's good. It's uh, a couple of nice illustrations to do. So excellent. Yeah. Um, is that for the, sorry? Is that for the same client? No, it's not. Right. One's a private commission. The right. Hendrix, Hendrix one's a private commission. And then uh, there's another watercolour illustration for uh, the Irish client. Ah, well, good for you. That's great that you're getting commissions. Yeah, yeah. It's are, nice. they, are they profitable for you or, or a balance of profitable and enjoyable? The uh, the kind of actual commercial work is is good. You know, I kind of, you know, the rate there is, is kind of pretty good. Um, I probably still take you know, far too long uh, compared to the amount I'm getting. But I still consider myself as a, a beginner, really, in illustration because I've only really been trying to make a living at it from, for about a year now. Um, so that's something that I'll continue to kind of uh, uh, improve on, sort of my time management and how long it takes me to draw and paint things. The private commission's... Yeah, you know, sometimes they're great, and sometimes I spend four or five times the amount of time I should on them. But they're kind of fun because I only take on private commissions drawing stuff that I like drawing, so I don't really mind. Yeah, but uh, but no, it's been a good week, uh, and a bit more. Uh, film concept stuff as well. So, um, yeah, quite varied. Have you had good feedback for that? I haven't had any feedback from that. What are you doing on that desk? I only sent it today. I'm not doing anything. Oh. Can you hear Can you hear lots of... Thunderous. Uh, <laughs> really? Yeah. Like you're moving Lewis chess pieces. <laughs> no, I'm not... Uh, are you I've doing that? Are you like... No, I'm not. Are you playing game with death as I no. speak? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not doing anything. All right, all right. I'm going just... to keep myself really still now. <laughs> uh, did I sound cross then? <laughs> you, you did a little bit, like there's a tantrum on the brink. <laughs> I'm always on the brink of tantrums. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh... oh, dear. What's been happening in design news? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Design uh, news. Design news. Uh, so what have, you, uh, what have you noticed this week, John? What's occurring? 
One thing I'd like to preface this with is um, that I've actually started reading some news and um, realised that I actually really like design. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, it's really interesting and it's just got me interested in, I mean, mainly history is what I'm interested in. So I'm going to start with a historical thing, which is it is 100 years this year. I don't know facts and dates and stuff. um, Johnston, uh, the font of the London Underground typeface, I should say. Uh, was launched in 1916. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if there are any celebrations going on there. I haven't done any research into this. I just read it today that it was 100 years. So, well, that was quite exciting. That's something that um, is still in use today and still being used um, as a working typeface, which is great. I think it's, it's really surprised, a big surprise that that's not um, a better-known anniversary. Like you say, maybe it's, you know, it's going to be... Uh celebrated at a specific point in the year but you know it's one of the most famous and iconic i can use the word iconic i think for that um iconic typefaces there is um quite a big deal i think particularly if you're uh you know a traveler on the underground or you you know you're london london based or down in the south of england i think it's you know it's one of those things that you see you know so often yeah and it's still beautiful, you know, it, it still is lovely. And, it is. And I think it's fantastic that the, um, you know, that it was so limited in its scope. Um, I think the original uh, font was in just a regular and a bold, and the bold was only available in uppercase. Yeah. That's just great. I love that. And, you know, it just, and that was it, you know, use that, that's it. No, None of this, like, 15 different weights and... Uh, yeah all that kind of stuff. It's, um, yeah, it's beautiful. And obviously it then went on to inform Gil Sands. Um, but we're not allowed to talk about him, are we? No, let's not. <laughs> um, but it's interesting you say about it being a very limited uh, uh, typeface originally. I mean, I guess that helped give such a, a clear uh, look to the London Underground design and identity. So it just shows that, you know, restrictions can be so beneficial in design. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm just scanning through the article that is inevitably in Wikipedia or whatever, but apparently it was originally, and I'd have to substantiate this because I don't believe anything I read in Wikipedia very much. But um, well, I, I printed it out last week, John. It's all correct. Oh, right. Okay. Well, can you post me a copy of it? <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll do. Is uh, that it was originally designed for print at one inch, um, so I guess 72 points um but uh it then became used larger now that is typical use of branding isn't it that when you you know you commission something for print or whatever and it gets used for something else entirely by the corporation but actually it's something that then sort of underlines what design is that it's used in a working place and it has to be used by other users it's not always used by designers um and that's what we need to remember when we are designing things that you know it's not in a bubble so yeah, no, that's so that's really interesting, and there's loads of stuff. We'll put some notes on the show notes, but there's loads of stuff you can trawl through. Um, I first came across it in a because it was hard to get hold of, um, and quite a few um, clients used to ask for it. And there was a, I think there was a company called P Twenty Two. Were they doing historical typefaces? Yeah. They had recreated it, and you could buy it quite cheaply. I think it was like a couple hundred quid, yeah. um, which back there back in the day was really cheap for a font. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, 
And uh, yeah, we used that one. I'm not sure what it was called. It was something like London Underground or whatever. But it, yeah, it was it was in the sort of late nineties. It was really popular again. And now I've seen Gil Sands just cropping up everywhere, um, being used a hell of a lot. Yeah. Because it's such a nice classic British typeface. Um, you know, if ever I went to my toolbox for a, you know a classic mid-century typeface, Gil Sands would be be it. And obviously, its big daddy was. Yeah. Johnston. Absolutely. I think that's I think that's the case for most British design. Well, most graphic designers, isn't it? It really is the go-to typeface for that kind of thing. Yeah. So that's that one. Have a look at that. And um, what's your what's your news? Well, bit? I'll stick with something uh, vaguely historical as well, which is uh, there's a new film coming out called Graphic Means, uh, which is celebrating the history of graphic design production. Um, and the trailer for it's available, so you can have a look at the trailer. I'm not sure when the actual film itself is coming out. Um, but it looks to be a really lovely film, and it's it's concentrating on the pre-desktop publishing area area era. Uh, so kind of nineteen nineteen fifties up to the nineteen nineties. Um, so there's going to be Letraset and Cowgum by the bucketful, I imagine. So that's going to be really nice to watch and uh, reminisce. Yeah, it's a period I I have no experience of, but I've read quite a lot of. Um, yeah. And coming from signage, ours was quite a clunky way of having to lay out type. So it, it does have that that sort of nostalgia. Um, it looks great, and you know, sign me up. Um, I'm just, I just, I will speak about this later. But the soundtracks that people use on their videos at the moment makes me just weep. Um, stop using the plinky plonky piano. Yeah, Please there's, stop lo- using there's lots it. of kind of whimsical oh, stuff going on, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It drives me batty. Um, but yeah, I've got a love. Uh, talking about, I've got a lovely photo type um, setting book that um, an old designer called Chief. I can't remember. Paul Lightfoot was his name, so everyone called him okay. Chief. Um, he used to work in our studio for a while, um, and he gave me this lovely book of fonts. It's a ring bound thing, and he used to use it when he was using those um, the first photo compositor yeah. machines um, back in the day. So um, I still use it. I still use it for. Um, just looking at type and size and stuff. It's yeah. great, really good, and it's got it's got all those photos up the front of people using these enormous machines um, to stamp out, you know, all sorts of weird and wonderful things. So yeah, um, definitely looks good. So I checked that one out. Yeah, that's gonna be good. Um, my next thing is uh, I was just looking at your ones. Um, is a computer-related one, um, and again, a bit of nostalgia. We're going to do a lot of nostalgia, and if you don't like nostalgia, then you probably don't want to be listening to this podcast. Um, but um, it's BBC are launching its own computer again. Um, the BBC Micro was a computer that uh, sort of framed my childhood, really. We never had one, but all schools had them. They had, you know, any computer lab was a BBC B Micro. B Micro, I think? Yeah, I can't, I can't remember specifics, but yeah, I remember the slightly um, darkened computer room. <clears throat> yeah, and then you know you get it into mode zero and you played elite on it. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, and they're they're releasing this thing called a BBC Micro Bit, which seems to be a sort of sub Raspberry Pi, not a food stuff, um, and uh, it's going to be given free to every seven year old in the land. Fantastic! Oh, yeah, which I think is wonderful. Um, it's a great. Um, uh, incentive for kids to learn how to uh, code, um, which brings with it all sorts of creativity. Um, 
I was thinking, uh, I'm not sure it's going to uh, start the sort of the early 80s craze of programming and sort of building games in your bedroom, but I I, I really hope it does. I, I think that we're now, because we are now um, a digital savvy nation, uh, or, you know, kids are, that it, they're consumers of it and whether they can make that leap to becoming creators is um, is a whole other matter. But I think, it you know, it's a, it's a really positive step um, and uh, I'm really, really excited about it. It is, it, it is a, a, a great thing. I'm not sure, like you say, I don't think it can have the same impact um, that computers did in the early 80s. I mean, you could almost sit down with your BBC Micro or your Commodore Amiga or your ZX Spectrum and you could create a simple game yourself, couldn't you? You know, you'd have a couple of books and uh, the magazines that were brought out teaching you how to program basic or whatever it was and you could you could make rudimentary games really quite quickly um and and they weren't that far away from the games that you'd get on a cassette um at that time whereas now you know that you know if you sit down with one of these bbc micro bits or a raspberry pi you know the the level of programming that you can do or the level of game that you could create is so far away from what kids are used to, isn't it, now? That yeah. Will they be able to make that leap? I uh, hope they can. <clears throat> well, it's a start, isn't it? It's about learning it is. learning the, the language and the sort of... learning the uh, the way to uh, to think things through, solve problems, and, um, yeah, and just explore different languages. So, yeah, yeah. I'm... Yeah, that's a ding. If I had a bell, I'd ding that one. That's good. Yeah, absolutely. What's your next one? Uh, The last bit of news I saw uh, tickled me. Uh, There's a a castle in Spain, uh, in the Cadiz region of Spain, Matera Fortress, or Matrera Fortress, and it's just had a a restoration, a big restoration project done on it by a a Spanish architect called Carlos Cavedo. Um. And I think it's a beautiful restoration. So it's a crumbling remnant of a of a castle with uh, kind of only bits of walls still standing. Uh, and the architect has, has replaced or he's kind of augmented the, the castle ruins with very clean concrete sort of rendered white uh, walls. But in the in the proportions that the castle would have um, would have been in when it was first built, so you've got this kind of big white block up on this hill, and then kind of embedded in this in the the white concrete or whatever it is, the rendered walls is the existing is the you know the real remnants of this castle, and I think it's a fantastic way to to preserve it and to restore it. It's obviously you know, on the verge of falling down. And, you know, it gives it an awful lot of impact, the sort of impact it would have had when it was first built, set up on this hill. Um, but obviously, it's, you know, there's uh, there's huge outcry because, you know, people's first reactions are that it's, you know, it's a modern monstrosity. Um, but I just think it works perfectly. It's not pretending... It's not trying to pretend that the new restoration work is is old. It's very clearly kind of marking that as a as a modern um, bit of building. 
and yeah, I think it's I think it's fab if you had a look at it. Uh, no, I just literally <laughs> tapped it in now. Um, so it looks like um, a sort of Rachel Whiteread installation yeah. where yeah. Um, she sort of takes moulds of buildings and then bashes the buildings around and leaves the moulds up, which you've ever if you've ever seen in real life is is really impressive. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, and um, I think that um, it looks like those. I think it looks fabulous. Um, I would. I would call it, you know, I'd want to know that was the building destroyed in some kind of historical battle or, you know, mm. anything like that where, you know, like Corfe Castle in Dorset, I would leave well alone because that really, you know, the heat, the piles of ruins there aren't, isn't nature. It's actually, you know, the Crom- Cromwell's army yeah. blew that thing up. So I think it should stay there forever. But I think if, if, if it's just fallen over due to, you know, years and years of bad weather and, and, and no upkeep, then to create a sort of ghost of a shell is, is what it looks like. Yeah. Um, look, I, I can only see one um, picture of it. I can see uh, there's a play button on this one here and I don't want to play it because the sound might go off. But um, it looks beautiful. I think, it, I think it's great. It's like, it's like a museum piece, isn't it? When, you, it when is. you go into museums, they have perspex or often ceramic uh, sort of infill models that might show what else was there, um, yeah. which is fantastic, which I think is like the, uh, and I think we should talk about this uh, another time, but the Mary Rose, the new museum that they've created down at Portsmouth is absolutely fabulous. I have um, actually seen that. Well, you should come down and we should go because yeah. it is beautiful. And, um, and yeah, there's, so there's lots of these kind of these things that have rotted away. So they've mm. created perspex or, a, you know, almost 3d printed versions of them. And I think that's, you know, this is like a 3d print, isn't it? Of It is. Um, and in that, I, I saw on the guardian and they've got, um, further down in the article, they've got a couple of other examples, which I'd never seen. Uh, there's David Chipperfield has got a, a similar restoration for a, a castle in Milan. And then there was um, Astley Castle was uh, restored in a similar manner, uh, you know, with very modern new bits built. So, they, do, you know, it's not trying to blend in with the old, but keeping all the same proportions and things. Uh, and there's an even one, another one in Spain. So it's not as if this, uh, this restoration has absolutely come out of nowhere. There is a kind of an, an architectural language for for doing this kind of thing but yeah i think it's great Love no it. i i fully i fully i fully support it um i know it will be it's going to be a uh, a controversial thing that you shouldn't restore um old buildings and actually you know enhance them but if they're still functional buildings then you should bring them into you mm. know, the modern world i mean you know where i'm from windsor castle that castle is not the original Norman, you know, modern Bailey keep. Uh, yeah. it, it is a it is a monstrosity of a of an eighteenth century sort of version of what castles were. It has no defensive capability whatsoever, um, and but people still revere it because they think it's historic. But it's only historic in the fact that the architectural vision that overruled the original purpose of the building was made two hundred years ago. Um, so uh, yeah, I say bravo. Yeah. Me too. Is that bra- is that Spanish? I think. I think it is. Well, moving on <laughs> swiftly. Um, let's finish um, design news on something silly, which was in the news. It was in the mainstream news last week, which was plastic mandarins. And I think this is a this is a good story for everyone, uh, every designer who um, feels that when they when a design 
project gets away from them, um, that they should really challenge their client a little bit more and question what it is <laughs> the hell they're doing. Because this is a uh, Whole Foods, I think, it's an American chain of um, of sort of posh eateries, uh, sort of like um, like a posh waitress, really, with cafes in them. Yeah. Um, they have been selling man- peeled mandarins in plastic cases, and uh, somebody, some wag, tweeted, uh, you know, haven't they got their own... Um, with a photograph of them saying, "Haven't they got a good enough um, a good enough case for them to to come in?" Um, is that right? Yeah, that was yeah. the story, isn't it? Um, and uh, yeah, and they pretty, pretty you know hands uh, applauds to them because they um, they said, you know, yeah, this is pretty stupid, and have withdrawn the product. But uh, you know, yeah, if you start wrapping things like bananas in plastic, then you need to rethink uh, what you're doing. But I just thought it was a great story for. Uh, when client briefs go horribly wrong and that, you know, those ideas should just stay in that meeting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's that. So, um, and that takes us on to, you know, the the main topic really today. Uh, Is there any other news that you wanted to talk about? Uh, I've got, I've got a few things written down, but we can always come back to them because they're just silly things, but, um, uh, and some of them can be further conversations, but I think that that sort of, that, um, uh, takes us on to our main topic today, which we was going to talk about awards. Yeah, have you have you won any awards, John? No, have you? Oh, actually, do you know what? Uh, last year, yeah, last year, yeah, last maybe it was the year before. Um, I project managed a um, a rollout of a of global branding for a um, for a client, and um, they won uh, they won an award for it. So. Well, how fantastic. Yeah. Um, I won't say who it is for, because <laughs> I can't really. But, um, yeah, uh, and so, and it was pretty much for what I did in that job. So, yeah, I can probably say, yes, I have won an award, but not not dedicated to me. It wasn't for design work. It was for more project stuff. But, no, have you ever won an award? <sighs> no. Have you ever entered for an award? Uh, no. No, neither have I. No, I don't even have a cycling proficiency badge, John. <laughs> I, I did have some uh, some badges that I sewed onto my swimming trunks when I was a child. Really? Yeah. <laughs> twenty-five. Twi- yeah, you had the. I see. Okay. Yeah, twenty-five meters, fifty meters. <laughs> I think that was it. <laughs> uh, you know, and and when I was a cub, I had you know those. Oh, can we not talk about cubs? I'm still on the waiting list. I think. Really? They said I'd be in by Christmas. That was 1979. <laughs> well, you know, some of us had it and some I'm, of us didn't. I'm feeling quite dejected now. <laughs> so anyway, back to awards. Yeah, um, we sort of touched on it. It's not it's not a subject that I'm hugely passionate about. I mean, I, I kind of, when I was running an agency, we never went for any, any awards, um, primarily because we, we weren't working in that kind of area and um all that sort of the highfalutin area we didn't feel we were good enough i think and that's probably Mm. a good jumping off point for the discussion is is that the initial thing of entering for uh, the most the people who tend to enter awards are the same people every year yeah and they will be larger agencies um and they will be um or agencies with a very high profile um, and so therefore the majority of design agencies out there don't do it because they feel that they'll never get anywhere. Um, 
And I think we were of that opinion. But having thought about it over the last week, I am much more ambivalent about it and a little bit more positive than I thought I would be. Um, so do you want to kick off by... S- well, I have no experience of awards in terms of uh, being at agencies that were winning awards or considering uh, entering awards or anything like that. My experience is is purely how uh, I see them as filtered through social media, which is kind of pretty much split into two camps of the people who repeatedly tweet how happy they are to have been nominated for something and the other camp who take the mickey out of people tweeting how happy they are to be nominated for something, knowing that they probably had to pay several hundred quid to be nominated. Um, so I don't know. I I think you're right about, you know, certain agencies are never going to enter awards because they don't think they're big enough. Uh, and the bigger agencies, they've just, you know, they have the funds, they have the time, you know, they've got people in there, uh, you know, they've got employees who can probably, you know, get everything together and, you know, they've, they've just got the, the scope and the, the means to to put together entries, haven't they? Which, a bit like free pitching, which I'm sure we'll deal with in another uh, episode, is one of those things I that... I felt all the hairs go off <laughs> on the back of my neck then. Yeah, which is, <laughs> it's, it's just another thing that only a certain size agency has the, the time, the means or the money to do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, I think that um, we should start by sort of talking about some of the major um, awards for design um, and uh, also about the pros and the cons and sort of come up with what we think. Um, because, uh, you know, yeah, talking about... Um, the major one is uh, the DNAD uh, awards, um, which is known as well. They're the yellow pencil, aren't they? Yeah, um, and they're all different coloured pencils. I didn't know there were so many different coloured pencils. I think it's uh, it's ridiculous the amount of <laughs> different. And you can get pencils now for being nominated. You can you can get a pencil for being in the book but not winning. Right. It's, it's very confusing. I think there was a, a bit of uproar a couple of years ago when people thought they'd won awards. And hadn't they were just in the book? I think uh, yes, it's complicated. But yes, generally the yellow pencil is uh, it's kind of the pinnacle of certainly uh, advertising in the UK, isn't it? Yeah, I, I actually had to. I'll confess here. I, I've you know I obviously know what it is and um, know all about it, but I had to look up what DNAD meant. <laughs> 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 so it's um, it's the designers and art directors award um but it covers so much more than that um i think that maybe that's why they've stuck with just the uh the shortened version of it um it used to be the british um designers and art directors award when it was originally started Um, and i think that was in the early 60s wasn't it started by really big people um david bailey um and other famous people yeah (laughs) (laughs) um but uh yeah the main the main thing is that those awards are um are paid for awards um so in order to enter you have to pay a fee and every single different category there and there are loads um, has a different fee um which is kind of 
it's strange, isn't it? Um, it is bizarre. Um, you know, the fees for kind of moving image stuff, film and uh, TV advertising and stuff like that. The fees for those are, I think, they're, you know, four, five, six hundred pounds plus. And I guess their their uh, kind of explanation of that would be, well, it's an awful lot quicker to look at a book cover, which costs you £105 to enter, than it is to sit through a uh, an advertising campaign on the TV. I, I don't know if that's their their reasoning. But, um, but yeah, it, it varies radically for for different things. Yeah. Um, well, I think that, um, the, let, let's look at the pros of it. Um, so the pros are that you, um, if normally you'd have to join these, uh, you either join the organization to get it cheaper, mm. um, which if you're a larger business is no, no brainer. Yeah. Um, but if you're a small business, you know, two, 3000 pounds out of your, uh, you know, your yearly budget plus the time that it takes to put together a, um, an entry is a massive barrier to joining, you know, to to entering into an award ceremony. Absolutely, uh, an award competition. Um, but you do get a sense of you, you know, you're part of a design community. I guess if you join it, um, I guess if you go to the night or you start getting involved in some of the um, educational things that they put on as you know, sort of satellite things around it, yeah. um, you get recognition and validation from your peers, which I think to everybody is massive, isn't it? I think I think our our industry, especially, um, there's not much thanks that comes in <laughs> from clients. Uh, you know, it's only when things go wrong that you hear anything. Generally, yes. um, the other thing is obviously it helps larger agencies retain talent because it's something that they can offer them. Um, the fact that they will be, you know, given free entry into these things, it attracts better quality designers. Um, and it's also it's it's a sort of top down um, inspiration for other designers working in you know in the industry. It's a way of showcasing the very best that uh, that that industry has to offer. Now that's where the crux is, isn't it? Well, it is because that that only works if if it seems you know being nominated is, is an attainable thing. It's all very well being inspired by you know if you're a student looking at the DNAD annual or, you know, having a look at it on Creative Review when the awards come out uh, and getting inspired and pumped up about what you're doing and trying to push yourself to do better stuff. But then, you know, that's not going to last long if you realise that actually, you know, there are so many barriers to entering. Yeah. Um, the other the other positive is that awards are responding to this, aren't they? They are changing. So um, I've seen this year DNA D and uh, that I've sort of honed in on um, has got a it's got one called New Blood. I don't know how mm. long that's been going. I think it's been going quite a while. <clears throat> but so that has got um, a low cost of entry. But that brings up another problem: is that the fact that they give you if you go onto the website, which is a lovely website by the way, um, and uh, they give you um, briefs to choose from. So you're actually working to a, a created brief, um, which I think is really uh, iffy um, because that is on the edge of spec work. Um, well, but, but it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because New Blood is, is forced. Is it just for students or is it for people who are recently 
qualified. So I guess if it's for students, what else are they going to enter? Just self, uh, you know, you know, ideas and self-initiated projects. Mm. Yeah, I just do. They need to be entering professional bodies competition. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know whether it's time. You know, and I think it's it's a noble thing to do. I'm just not sure. Whether you know, and what constitutes a student? You know, how is it an age thing? Is it whether they're, you know, because I can go back and do an MA, and I could still could I apply for one of those awards? I don't know. Um, seems an easy an easy in. <laughs> it does a bit, but yeah. I think it's really I think it's great because it will encourage students to um, to submit their work. But when that work has no real rigor in the marketplace, is, does it have any value? I don't know. Are we talking about are we talking about commercial design here. Are we talking about art? It's, there's so many grey areas to this award thing, isn't there? That that is just so stri- yeah, difficult to to obviously cover in half an hour. <laughs> it's uh, <coughs> it's going to be one of those things, isn't it? If uh, again, a little like free pitching. If you investigate it, look at it for yourself or your agency, you know you're always going to be able to say whether or not it's it's good for you. You know, there are some people it's going to suit, some people it's not going to suit. But, um, but yeah, it's a, a minefield. It's, when you were saying about um, the awards are, are changing and kind of making them more um, more accessible, the one that's that I've noticed, they had their... Uh, their award ceremony last week was the Association of Book Cover Designers, which is quite a newish body, I think. Um, and they do the book cover awards. And that's free to enter. And the event night is free. And I think a couple of hundred book cover designers and designers turned up at the event on the night and they had voting booths, ballot boxes. For every um, for every category, and all the designers just voted on the night, and there was drinks, and people counted the votes, and the awards were given on the night just after they'd been voted for, which I just think is the such a refreshing way of looking at a, the structure of an awards event. It's just fantastic. Hey, that's that is lovely. How how was that funded? Do we um, know? I don't know. There's having a look on their website. There's no obvious sponsorship. Um, so I don't know. I think that's really nice. That's very refreshing, and I hope that it lasts a long time. Um, mm. The cynic in me would say that that would quickly uh, become very competitive and uh, and drive um, people to start wanting to um, control it. But yeah, oh, I, the, I mean, the guys who set it up set it up in that way because they were sick of. Uh, the the standard awards. Yeah, well, I say you yeah. know again, bravo, bravo yeah. to them. I applaud them. <laughs> I applaud them. I mean, the other thing was, you know, the, uh, you know what happens is then it becomes a non profit organisation, and you start getting employees, and you have to start paying for those kind of things, and then you have the educational things around them. That was another thing I saw was, uh, you know, you can do, it was like you know do these courses, a day's course um, to uh, go and you know listen to a. a, a an art director talk about, you know, whatever uh, transformation into digital was one of them, you know, yeah. so you're, you're a print designer, you know, make the transition, make the jump. Um, a day's course, uh, it was like 900 and something quid. I mean, you know, come on guys, you know, 
if you are a non-profit organization make it accessible to people on the, on the ground make it 250 quid you know yeah but nearly a thousand pounds for a day's um you know workshop is a better joke be, better be a bloody good workshop uh, i think that's just it's cynical and you know it should be cheaper um and I, you know i i thought that was i think well that was really off um, well I, th- I think those sort of things are that i'm not sure cynical is is the term i think it's just unthinking because they know they can fill them with people from big agencies who are going to quite happily pay for their employees to do these things. And they just don't think about the other people. No. They're kind of uh, the great unwashed of the design industry. Well, I say, you know, the Association of Book Cover Designers, did you say it was? Yes. Um, we'll put that in the show notes, but I say, you know, well done, hand clubs, and, uh, and I hope you had all, all had a great night. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, book cover designers have a lot of respect for me because um, they do really lovely work. Um, uh, yeah, so, I, and I think um, the, well, before we go on to the downside, so as I started getting dragged into getting angry about it, um, <laughs> You know, yeah, we've got to see that the reasons for paying are, you know, the fact that they do have to pay for events and um, staff and et cetera, et cetera. But also I read a response to um, somebody complaining about the fee that they had to pay for a design uh, competition. And they said they were from the actual organisers and they said, well, you know, how else do we select items for a competition? Um, because there's no way that we can go out there and find all this work um, and um you know and uh, curate it um in a sort of you know in an easy way the best way is to you know is to create this demand that it comes to us which is which is a good point isn't it but i was just thinking what are the alternatives to doing that there are so many ways to do it aren't there by crowdsourcing uh work on you know places like the harms and oh, excuse my dog <laughs> thanks it's my wife bringing me a pie. Oh, I see. It's an apple pie. Oh, do you know, I nearly went sweet rather than savoury today. Oh, well, I'll come back to that, but it's, um, it's, it's an iconic pie, actually. Marvellous. Um, yeah, I don't know how else you would work the selection, kind of the big selection process. You know, how do you get in the, the broad range of work, which you then sort of whittle down, but... There must be some scope in this day and age for it to be a more democratic process. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, but then, having said that, I um, there there is dribble, isn't there? There's dribble. Le- yes, I've left that. Um, I find it uh, if I can, you know, I'm going to upset people now, but I find it really, really uncomfortable. It's um, terrible. Uh, I think that uh, it's it's unfinished work. It's work that hasn't generally uh, in general terms that hasn't gone through as i said earlier the rigors of commercial testing um and uh it's people saying that all this stuff all this pretty stuff is is workable and that it's um praised um and i i admire i admire dan cedarholm who built it enormously as a designer and i know and i admire a lot of the designers on it i just think as a as a showcase of work it's lifeless um, it's. I, I think when it started, you know, it was it was known to professional designers making their living in the design industry, and at that point, it works fine. But you know, it's opened up, and now everyone is on Dribble. Uh, people with no design background 
hobbyists, you know, people who've just figured out how to use Photoshop or whatever. And there's, you know, there's some polished, uh, kind of finished designs on there, but whether or not they've got any design value is another thing. But it's also the place where, you know, every time, let's say, Facebook changes its newsfeed or something, you know, Dribble is then just swamped with, this is what Facebook should have done. And every two-bit designer has a go at redesigning Facebook or Gap or no doubt there are thousands of versions of the uh, Museum of Metropolitan Museum of Art new logo, you know, because people thought they could do better. It's it's almost just like the, you know, the Guardian article we were talking about. It's exactly the same, isn't it? Um, it is. And I, it's it's atrocious. I I think I'm still uh, still on there, but I don't even no, I, I deleted it. Um, actually, quite. I, I don't. I haven't used it for ages, no, I mean, ages and ages. But I just, in a fit of pique, it just. I suddenly thought about it, and it made me so cross because I think it used to be great. You know, it was just a little. You could do little tiny screen grabs of corners of designs, which were little hints. Yeah. But that's not what design is about. Design is about the reveal and the you know and the, the solution to problems. And I don't think any of these things do solve anything. Anyway, I'm going into a completely uh, a cul-de-sac. Um, <laughs> And uh, but yeah, no, I think that places like that is a dead ends for uh, judging good design because you don't have the story behind why decisions were made. Yeah, and the narratives of why clients said no, this ha- this has to be, you know, they have to do this because um, our customers demand it or our shareholders say, um, and that is often the bigger driver behind decisions with design, especially yeah. advertising, that the, then the marketing then manager doesn't looks, like green. Yeah, then, yeah, exactly. Then what looks good? Um, so, you know, um, and I think that the awards will have a much better um, way of judging that when it's actually worked in the real market and they can see the real reaction. Um, so anyway, that's my, that's my thing for the, for what, you know, what, how else would you get good work? Yeah. You can, oh, yeah. It's tricky. I don't know. I don't have an answer. Mm. Um, and then, what, what are the what are the against? Why 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 do you think awards ceremonies awards well, for are me, bad? For me, they're so they're so insular and cliquey. You know, it's the same. Like you say, it's the same design agencies submitting work uh, quite often for the same clients year after year. It's the similar bunch of people on the judging panels. Um, you very rarely see any surprises with, uh, with even the work that kind of gets shortlisted or uh, or the work that wins. Um, and I think, for me, it, it taps into that whole thing about, I think, the design industry itself, you know, for an industry that's supposed should very be very outward-looking, you know, because we're designing for... <laughs> the public and consumers, we, you know, we're very inward looking, you know, designers talk to other designers about design. Uh, we read books about design. Uh, you know, my Twitter feed, you know, I'm guilty of it is full of design people and illustrators. Um, and I just think we kind of talk ourselves around in circles. I, I think that's interesting. I think I've become a much better designer since I cut myself off from being involved in talking about design um, mm. in terms of my focus is now on the business 
Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm producing as exciting work or um, as as enjoyable work than I was. Um, and is it more? Is it more effective? Um, I'm not sure because a lot of my clients don't measure anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but uh, yeah, well, it's definitely effective for my business because it's growing and um, you know we're making money and um, we're busy all the time. So yes, definitely that way. Um, but I feel that. I do need to have a dialogue with designers because I think that they are different to other people. I think that they question the natural order in things, um, that they look at the world in a different way. And so, therefore, that's why I'm sort of positive towards these award ceremonies. And also um, things like Creative Review, which you sent me a few articles of. I haven't read Creative Review for four, three odd years um you know i used to get it all the time but mm. i think it's a really powerful magazine and I, I um and i think it has a lot of good to say um and i have to say their website is just such a breath of fresh air to read um there's it's got zero ad clutter it's, good, uh, isn't it? it's just fantastic you know uh, hats off to centaur i think it is isn't yeah. it? The, yeah. the publishers um yeah no um and um so it's it's a nice balance of what i'm you know going through at the moment but i do feel that is true that we are an inward looking uh, industry um and that is often forced because we haven't got the language um to explain to the outside world what it is we do and um, we still it's still a mysterious art um and an alchemaic art to uh the general joe public um, I, think it's, I think it's part lack of language and it's part lack of opportunity um, you know, our our work has to speak for itself, doesn't it? You know, it gets released out into the world. The world reacts, and we very rarely get a chance to react to that reaction. Yeah, I've got I've got a book here that I picked up in a secondhand bookshop, and um, it's called Design and Print, um, and uh, it's from nineteen sixty, you know, nineteen sixty three. Uh, and um, in the in the fly jacket it says design is still viewed by many printers and their apprentices as an uninteresting and unnecessary subject <laughs> <laughs> and this is a book about design and print um, uh-huh. and it says on the continent and in Canada and the USA design is considered of the utmost importance and the quality and variety of work produced reflect this attention and I think you know we're now what how many years on <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, and we're still at that stage where, in especially in the UK, that we don't respect design. We we don't trust it, and we we don't respect it. And um, I think these inward-looking design awards really, re- you know, they build that wall up, don't they? Yeah. Um, and maybe we need to be more public with the awards. Um, I saw just ending on that. I saw a great thing that um, in in France there's a. Um, there's a village now. I'm going to scroll through all my bits um, here. Uh, yeah, this was in Creative Review, um, and uh, there's a small French town, uh, Chaumont, um, and they have a graphic design festival in the town. Oh, um, do you know? Yeah, I've seen that before. Yeah, this is an old an old article that I was looking yeah. through this stuff. Um, and how and it's saying try and picture it a small provincial town in Britain the size of say Seven Oaks or Melton Mowbray. Now Melt, come on, we've got to put one <laughs> Melton Mowbray. <laughs> um, 
that's the home of pies, by the way, if you're not oh, yeah. from uh, Britain. Um, we should really do a show from there. <laughs> we should, shouldn't we? I've never been. <laughs> we um, do a road trip. We might meet Agus as well. Uh, yeah. No, so, um, yeah. Now imagine every pub and cafe full of graphic designers talking about Russian constructivist posters. Now that's where it goes horribly wrong. But, um, yeah, why, why don't we, you know, why isn't graphic design in the public domain more? Um, and maybe that would stop what we were talking about last week of this sort of, you know, this this public outcry every time people say, oh, no, there's a new logo. Look, it was 50 million quid. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's definitely, um, we need to come back to that, don't we, to talk about why why isn't design accepted in by the general public. Yeah, absolutely. Or respected. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's my my all i've got really to say on design awards i i you know i've never entered one and i probably never will but um i i wish good luck to all the people that are entering them it'd be interesting to hear from people who do you know uh if anyone wants to get in touch and let us know why they enter or why they don't enter if they've won did it change your life where do you put your award is it in the loo (laughs) um i think the, the the yellow pencils are beautiful aren't they they are yeah, um, they're a great. You know, I think we'd all love to win them. It's just uh, we don't necessarily want to have to jump through the hoops necessary. Yeah, I was, I was reading um, Adrian Shaughness's uh, "How to Be a Graphic Designer Without Losing Your Soul" because I was looking up his um, what he what his take on awards was, mm. um, and I've completely lost my place here. Yeah, so he calls it, and this is a good word. Um, he calls it design competitions. Um, and he says um, the notion of competing like athletes in a race is an anathema. Um, you can see their point. Winning a design award doesn't necessarily mean you are the best. For a start, if we don't in- enter, we can't win. Plus, we usually have to pay to enter. So only those who can afford the entry part fees can take part. Um, so that's great. But he says that... Um, uh, he sat on a few design juries. Now, Adrian Shaughnessy is like, you know, we're we're talking about one of the kings, aren't we? Really. Yes. So he's, you know, he's all right in his uh, in his throne room. But he says, you know, he was always impressed about how generous designers are about each other's work. I don't think that's we've touched on that subject at all. That people are sour grapes about it. Um, you said that on Twitter, people are. I've never experienced that myself. Um, but that's part of social media, isn't it? Great. I think, uh, yeah, that might be more social media than the design community. I think uh, compared to illustration, so on Twitter I follow lots of uh, illustrators, I follow lots of designers. I would say the design community is a lot more snipey and bitchy than the illustration community. I've never seen anything other than support, encouragement from illustrators, regardless of their standing in the the industry. I totally whereas, agree. I totally agree with you. Yeah. Design. Yeah. You know, just... so big new brand comes out and we're not that much better than the Daily Mail sometimes. No, no, I think that's that's really, really true. And um I, I, I find the same with the web design community is really generally inclusive, um, friendly and it wants to help. Because mm. it's a it, it's an it's an industry that hasn't grown up with secrecy surrounding it that you know the whole thing about the web is and probably illustration is that people want to learn techniques and you know they'll work them out eventually but sharing it makes it makes life you know easier whereas i think advertising was always closed shops you know to get a black art isn't it yeah to get you know to get in the old days you know to get an advert off to press you couldn't just send the advert off in a you know put it in an envelope you had to go through 
uh, a, um, a pre-press uh, agency who would yeah. take a cut of the file that all they would do is pass it on to the newspaper. Mm. Um, all of that has now tumbled down like a big pack of park cards, but I still think we've got this secrecy issue uh, in design, um, and I think that's what makes it um, competitive and, and, and slightly unfriendly. Um, I remember going to lots of, you know, these shared sort of introductory pitches when you go for big jobs and, you know, a load of agency people will turn up at a, you know, we were doing building sites. So a building site, I remember going yeah. to one in Cambridgeshire and like 30 different creative teams traipsing around this big farm. And there was just, the, there was no conversation between anybody um, yeah. the whole time we were there. It was really, really uncomfortable um, because they're fighting for big money. Um, whereas you know illustrators between illustrators aren't really fighting for that and web agencies don't get dragged into the middle of the fields to uh, stand with your rivals anyway do you so yeah it's de- <laughs> um, but he, he's uh, going back to Shaughnessy would you say Shaughnessy I, you know my pronunciation yeah. no, 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 but he says go back to um, you know all scruples about design competitions their artificiality their fundamental unfairness vanish when we win it is very sweet to win a design prize, and pu- uh, winners must publicise and exploit their successes. Send a short email to your clients announcing your win, and never forget to include your client in any celebrations. You wouldn't have won it without them. And I think that ends on a good note of what we're going to talk about with Mike Montero, which is if you are a commercial designer, the word is commercial. <laughs> yes. You are ruled by the bill and the invoice. So, um, yeah... I- it just doesn't make it seem very nice, does it? It doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, uh, it was interesting to read about you know somebody who's actually a judge on them. What his what his opinion is? Yeah. Which brings me on to uh, you, are we finished on that subject? Do you think? I, I think so. I was yeah, good. we're coming. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, it was good. Uh, uh, I think we're coming up to nearly an hour. We're, we're going. We're going well over. We definitely get more um, listeners when we're under an hour. Do so, we? Yeah. But I don't care. Who cares? Um, I'm going <laughs> to let's make this a three-hour one. <laughs> What's it's like your... a director's cut? Yeah. <laughs> What's your website of the week this week? Uh, my website of the week is one lots of people will know, but it's it's a website that I kind of forget about every now and again, and then remember, go back to it, and then lose an hour looking at it. Which is the Retronaut. Yeah. Uh, which is now Mashable. Uh, the kind of what would you call Mashable? It's a site, kind of a news web. Mm, aggregator aggregator type site uh it used to be a standalone website now it's part of the mashable oh, stable really um but you know it's still there it still exists so that's better than it you know disappearing uh so the retronaut was started by a i think he was a photographer originally wolfgang wild who you know really does look quite wild in his little profile pic on the retronaut um massively hairy and bearded um, Did you use that phrase that you used because that was very uh, highfalutin. <laughs> he looks like an advert for nominative determinism. <laughs> he does. Try saying that when you've had a Kentish ale. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so, if you don't know, the Retronaut is uh, a site that researches and revels in historical photography or historical photojournalism. Um, so, I made a note that. The content varies wildly. So you get big, important uh, photographs of big, uh, important events, wars, uh, famines, uh, big political events. But you also get uh, articles about 
Finnish prize-winning cattle. Um, and it's that variety of stuff that I absolutely love. So you can look at it and you can see uh, the Kennedys uh, at play, you know, months before JFK was assassinated. And then you can look and it's, uh, I don't know, pig and... Uh, pagan dancers from somewhere in curious masks it's just a, a kind of wild variety of stuff and it's all great so if you're interested in photography or history or photographic history uh then it's well worth looking up the retronaut so if you go to mashable.com and uh, search out the retronaut yeah it's good it's good i i loved it when um it was an email and it would actually email you photos every, I don't know if it was every day, but it was every week. Um, okay. And it would actually come into your email as the photographs and then they changed it to force you to go onto a website because obviously yeah. they, they realised that they are going to make money. And then I stopped following it because it was a pain in the bum. Mm. But it was great when it popped into your inbox with the most incredible Victorian black and whites. Yeah, it's great stuff. Yeah, if you like weird and wonderful photographs, then that is a great recommendation. Um my website of the week is something that somebody put on Facebook, which I don't often normally follow because uh, people that I know on Facebook generally post a load of old boolocks. But um, this is a this is a really stupid one, and it's called uh, Zulu Alpha Kilo, um, and it's it is actually it is actually, and unless I'm being completely dense, which I I often am, but it's a real agency. But they decided to. Um, <laughs> so really, yeah. They decided to skin their website with this sort of mock um, agency kind of um, uh, parks and recreation style um, video that is about these absolute idiots running an ad agency. Um, And, yeah, it's well worth going onto the website and just having a look. They have things like last client complaint um, with just a clock that's ticking. (laughs) It has time on it. And uh, they've got their, their patented super buzzwords um and uh, you can you can create super buzzwords by pressing buttons and uh, yeah no it's it's really well worth it um so yeah that's really good fun um and uh the only complaint i have is like all of these videos it has and i'm not going to say the word because we'll get an r rating but plinky plonky music in videos please stop it it was helvetica wasn't it that started it yeah it might have been actually oh my god yeah please um, but the, the, that leads on to what I should think we should go on to next, um, talking about awards and leading into speculative work. Um, from um, They have posted on their YouTube channel, this is Zulu Alpha Kilo, um, some anti-spec videos, which are in the same kind of vein of humour. So if you like those, they're really funny. Um, they're just a guy going into a coffee shop and asking for a free coffee, asking for free gym membership, etc. Oh, et okay, I've seen that. I didn't yeah, realise that was a, them. Yeah, so um, I really do think they're a real agency. <laughs> it's very much in the vein of um, Jim Coodle. If, uh, if, if Coodle. they are, that's just even more brilliant. Yeah. So, um, yeah, definitely check that out. Um, and what's your pie, mate? My pie. It's a, it's a beautiful... I, I must admit, I've already tried it. I tried it earlier. It looks like this is the god of pies, isn't it? It's great. It is... Uh, I, I thought um, it was a Henry Winkler pie, and I was thinking it's the Fonz. Uh, but it's actually a Henry Walker fluted pork pie from Sainsbury's from their deli counter. 
Right. Did they what well, they played a flute as they brought they it out? They did, yeah. It's quite a big pie. I've only got half of it here. Right. Um, but it's gorgeous. It's my complaint about last week's was the uh the texture was too dense, too finely minced. Uh, and this has got it right. It's kind of chunky. Loads of jelly. Very, 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 very nice. Uh, and it's getting an eight, John. Oh, it's getting an eight out of ten. That's that's our top pie. We um, we need to create a um, a pie list, don't we? A pie chart. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> um, well, I've got two pies here because my wife uh, rushed out and went to. I didn't have a car today, so I couldn't go out to get anything. Um, but I've got. I've do you got, do you ever buy your own pies, John? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, when did I? Is this uh, part of your upbringing? You always send someone out to buy a pie. We live an eight mile round trip from the nearest town. <laughs> <laughs> That's my excuse. Um, okay. I've got a gala pie. Ooh. Old school. Which Ooh. is, if you don't know what that is, it's a pork pie with an egg in the middle. We used, we used <laughs> Sounds have, ridiculous, We used it? to have them at school. Um, yeah. And it's normally, like, the, you know, the driest egg known to man. So this looks all right. It's from Waits, Waitrose. I've gone straight in there. Yeah. Mm. It's very sausage meaty. Okay. Is that good or bad? Well, it tastes like a, um, a, um, a sausage roll. Okay. It's good. It's under seasoned. Pastry's really yummy. Um and the egg, well, is, you know, a boiled egg. Yeah. Now the, the second one I've been given is a Mr. Kipling apple pie. <laughs> <laughs> uh and uh I'm gonna take I could take a bite of that as well, just to be a total pig. <clears throat> no, that tastes like soap. They're they're not um they're not kind of what you remember, are they? No. It's really soapy tasting. Um, I'd much rather have a, a handmade one. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, that's a disappointment, so I'm going back to the pork pie. But pork and apple is not too bad. No, true. So I'm going to give my gala pie, I'm going to give it a six out of ten. Ooh. Yeah, well, it's a nice big slice, you know, keep me happy. I've got a late night tonight. <coughs> and uh, the beer's going down okay? The beer is all right, a bit bitter for me, but okay. yeah, it's good. It's good. Yeah, the gem's very good. Yeah, it's a nice beer. I like that one. Um, so yeah, that's um, that's the pies over and done with. Um, <clears throat> any other business? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I think again, our usual call for uh, feedback. I don't want to sound needy, but you know, it'd be nice if you're listening to get in touch. Let us know what you think, uh, particularly about the the awards thing we talked about tonight. It'd be really, really good to hear back from anyone who's involved in awards, won an award. Yeah, send us your photos of your awards, even if they're... Oh, I have got an award. What? Well, I've, I've got a certificate, a, Ma- a Lego Master Builder certificate from about 1978. Oh, I'm quite jealous. I'm going to take a photo of that and I'll post it. Um, yeah, that's the only bit of uh, qualifications that I've got. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I'd rather have that than a yellow pencil. <laughs> Um, and a yellow pencil to buy is like 400 quid. Oh, what you so say you have to buy them even yeah. if you've won it? Yeah. <laughs> that's so outrageous, isn't it? Well, I think so, yeah. yeah that's what it, that nearly made me swear. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's not lose too many listeners. Um, yeah. So next week, what are we going to be talking about? I don't think we've got a book review, have we? We're just going to be doing another subject. So what should, we, what should we grab hold of? Should we go over to illustration? Because we haven't really talked much about that. Yeah. Let's uh, let's have a think during the week, and we'll uh, we'll discuss something 
illustrative. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, other than that, I've got nothing else to uh, to report. I could go on for hours, actually. I've got loads of notes here of things. Um, <laughs> but some of the things that you t- you, you wrote down just sound great. Um, Monsal Sea Seaforts. Oh, we've got to talk about those. Yeah. Um, are they the Napoleonic jobbies? No, they're the, the Second World War ones. Right. The kind of metal girder things. Oh, right. um, what was the the place that made its own uh, stamps in the 60s? Uh, no, Sealand. Sealand. Right. You know, he tried to, a guy um, occupied one of the Monsal forts and declared it. <laughs> declared it um an independent country really? and you i think f- up until quite recently he was still making his own passports or his son was still doing his own passports and things wow. they're quite still quite sought after that's a film in itself isn't it mm. wow yeah but yeah they're great and so we'll talk about those at some point yeah and should we terraform mars it's something that i've been thinking about for years <laughs> i need a project <laughs> I go, what am I going to do with all this gravel? <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. All right, then. Well, um, I think we should call it a day. Absolutely. Um, it's, been, it's been a good one. I've enjoyed tonight. Yeah. Always a pleasure talking to you, Rob. Um, and we, we do need a website. I've, I've made the decree. Um, okay. So in the next month or so, we need to start putting one together because just posting things uh, is, is hard, isn't it? Like, oh, yeah, that was the other thing I forgot to say. We've got a... Um, uh, a Spotify playlist that I started um, that you can follow. But I, I don't know where to put it, you see. That's the problem. I put it on Facebook, couldn't I? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's good as well. I had a listen while I was um, just doing a bit of research for tonight. Yeah, well, it's it's actually related to what we talked about last week. Um, hmm. Shall I talk about it next week? Yes. Yeah. Let's. All right. Well, good night. Good night, John. Uh, and, uh, enjoy the rest of your pie. You too. All right. Lovely speaking to you. Bye. Bye. Sequence stars were no good for making carbon in this range.